welcome to the new Relation NFL podcast of Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, you survived the weekend. We got through it. Yeah, an eventful weekend, obviously. Um, fun draft, I thought. And to be honest, I never say this after a draft, but I can't really come up with teams where I thought, boy, they blew it. You know, and it seemed like a really, you know, well-thought-out draft. There were some picks I wouldn't have made, of course, but even the early ones, you go back and look at them and say, well, I understand where they're coming from. Is that is that a because the draft's so strong or, or, or teams are getting smarter or just uh, a fluky thing? I guess. I mean, I don't have a real good reason why, but, I mean, it certainly was a deep draft, you know, especially in, you know, rounds two through five, I thought. So, um, you know, there, there, there was more people to pick from. But there wasn't those wacky picks where you'd be like, where did that come from? You know, like rarely did I see those type of deals. And a couple trends that I didn't quite see coming. One trend I did not see coming was offensive linemen actually fell. I, I thought it would be the yeah. other way around. You know, I thought people would be overdrafting linemen left and right, and they just didn't bite on the bait, and they didn't. But uh, I think there was like 28 defensive backs drafted in the first 100 picks. I mean, to me, that was pretty amazing, too. That's more than one every four pick is a defensive back. Yeah, crazy. And, and you know, in, in three rounds, in less than three rounds, yeah. And at the quarterback run, I mean, the story of the early draft was this is a great defensive draft. And offense kind of took over the first 15 picks or so. And everybody traded up to get these quarterbacks in a what was considered a, a mediocre quarterback class. Three of, you know, three quarterbacks in the top 12 picks. All the teams traded up to get them. I mean, that was, that kind of shaped the draft. That, that made some really good defensive players fall. No question. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't see three receivers coming in the top ten either. You know, I mean, not that I have any problems with those picks, and uh, I don't think I don't think Buffalo did either. I think Buffalo was sitting there at ten, going, "We'll get Ross or Williams or Davis," and you know, boom, all three were gone. And it was like, okay, well, guess we better trade out, you know, because we don't have anybody to go to. And you could certainly argue that, you know, the Chiefs and Houston overpaid for guys that might, and especially the Bears, um, overspent. For players that you know might not end up being franchise quarterbacks, but I mean, even in the Bears' case, it's not a move I would make, and you, you know that I'm not a Trubisky believer. Um, you can't really ever fault a team for being aggressive to go get a franchise what they think is a franchise quarterback. You know, I mean, if Trubisky ends up being a 10-year starter, who cares that they gave up an extra third-round pick in 2018? You know what I mean? Like, no one will care about. Oh that. yeah, I mean. That's the point, is that they're, they're only overpaid if these guys stink, you know? Right. But, uh, and, and we won't know that for a while. You know, I, I want to get in some individual um, picks, you know, and there's a lot to talk about. So starting with Trubisky, you, you started the show saying you didn't think there was a lot of weird picks. Um, many people, including me, thought that was a weird pick, but... You just kind of alluded to yeah. you're okay with that pick at two? No, I'm not. I mean, to me, that was definitely the weirdest pick out there um, and the one that I would not have made. I mean, I think Mahomes is the best quarterback prospect in this draft. So, I mean, not only did I not like the player. I mean, I guess, I have no. again, I have no problem with a team 
going up to go get their franchise quarterback. And, I, you know, it's easy for us to sit here and say, man, I mean, how would you give up that many picks to move up one spot? But I bet it's not, you know, crap that other teams were wanting that spot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it worked out really well for the Niners. They still got their player and they got extra picks. But if the Bears were set on getting Trubisky, I'm not positive that they could have sat there at three and done it, you know. So I think they might have had to make that move or Cleveland would have swooped in or whomever. Um, there was a lot to move up one spot, but uh, I'm sure the Niners had other offers on the table. Uh, I just don't like the player, you know. I mean, and it's I can't get around that. It just seems to me to be a bad situation for a lot of people. Bad situation for Trubisky, bad situation for Glennon, bad situation for John Fox. It just doesn't seem like there's a lot of good vibes here. Yeah, you know? I hear you. And I think he was like at the Cubs game or the Blackhawks game or something, and he was booed. And, you know, like mm-hmm. Bears fans don't want him. <laughs> you know, it's you – know, Quarterback, I mean, coach apparently doesn't want him. I remember you telling me weeks and weeks ago that, you know, John Fox isn't the type of guy who's going to want to take time and, and, and get at one of these young quarterbacks. Right, and, you know, and now you know, he doesn't historically play rookies, and you know, it, would do, it would do Trubisky a world of good to sit for the year, but we know that really doesn't happen. I mean, when the Bears are 1-7, it's going to be like the Goff situation. I'm sure everybody's going to be calling for Trubisky. I mean, in the perfect world, Glennon plays well. Trubisky sits on the bench and learns. They trade Glennon for a second-round pick next year, you know, to the to whoever. Trubisky takes over and all's wonderful. But I mean, you look at that draft too because they had they had they gave up all those mid-round picks, and then their next pick was was the tight end from Ashland, who's going to have a massive learning curve. I don't know where they got better for this year. I mean, uh, they don't look like an improved team at all to me. They only had like five picks, and three of the picks were from really small schools. Right. And one was a and one was a developmental quarterback, so not ideal. And again, if, I mean, if Trubisky hits, nobody teams, cares about any of those things, and I just don't think he will. And, and looking at the other two teams in the picking in the top three, while the Bears, you know, didn't get better, I think the 49ers and Cleveland did. I think both. Absolutely. Those I mean, I think the Niners or the the Browns are the most interesting team in the league right now. And they didn't screw up the Garrett pick. However, I mean, if they would have been the team that moved to two as rumored and took Trubisky, I'd be sitting here saying, well, they screwed up. You know, I mean, I feel like they got lucky that they didn't win the Trubisky sweepstakes. When they look back on things, I think it'll serve the franchise really well that they didn't. They got three highly talented players in the first round, you know, that are big-time athletes, big-time playmakers. And I wasn't a big Peppers fan, you know. I mean, there was I – mean, I spent the weekend at the Steelers facility, and there was tons of talk that the Steelers loved Peppers, and they wanted him to fall to 30. And I didn't like that at all because I really think he's a man without a position right now. And if you're the Steelers and they're looking to win now, I don't know how he helps you for a year or two. But the Browns, who cares? You know, just play him everywhere and see where what works out for the guy. And if he blows some coverages or – you know, it doesn't fit at certain spots, so what? You know, I mean, he's a great athlete. Figure it out down the road what he get, brings to you. But the whole key to me, Bill, is, and this is a bit of a long shot. I mean, this is extremely optimistic. But what if Deshaun Kaiser hits? You know, they have so many resources for 2018 draft, as well as gobs and gobs of cap space to go get – Kirk Cousins if they want, or Garoppolo, or McCarron, or whoever. 
But what if they don't need a quarterback? I mean, I know this sounds unrealistic, but if Deshaun Kaiser has a Dak Prescott-like season, and honestly, I think he's more talented than Dak, not by leaps and bounds, but behind a really good offensive line with a great quarterback coach, that if they don't need a quarterback this offseason, if they happen to find it in Kaiser, look out. You know, I'm writing a story today on that very same subject. He's the key to a trip. After the first round, they already had a terrific draft. It's in. Yes. They had a good draft. This was a bonus pick, and he fell to 52, and they got it. And if he doesn't work out, it's okay. They'll just do it again. But they didn't use a 12th pick on him. They used a 52nd pick. And it would be a lot different if they went Garrett at 1, Kaiser or Watson at 12, and then the quarterback busted. Then that Browns quarterback draft narrative continues, and you only get one quality pick. Now you've got three quality picks. And, again, a bonus pick at 52 with so many other resources to come, as you said. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, I mean, if if they were taking Garrett at one and then use the whole rest of their draft to get the two to take Trubisky, I would be sitting here saying, well, at least they did one thing right. <laughs> you know, Or even in a lesser case, if they were taking Garrett and then Peppers at, what, 25, and then they trade the 29 like they did and took Kaiser there, then there's a lot more pressure. He's a first-rounder, and you don't have Njoku, and you use all these picks on you know, other people you know, that you could have used on other, other guys. But now, if he stinks, who cares? You know, I mean, it yeah. doesn't matter at all. If he stinks, you still can go get the best quarterback in next year's draft, probably, or Cousins, or somebody, you know, a free agent. That uh, The world's you know, in your palm. But if by chance he hits, then not only is it a great draft, it could be a historic and franchise, tra- you know, changing draft for them. Right. You know, if you get four, if you get a Pro Bowl defensive pass rusher, you know, who we all think he is, two high quality starters, and a franchise quarterback, as well as picking up both of the Texans' first two picks and all these other draft picks we got going forward, that's insane. Right. I mean, look at the Oakland Raiders were the Browns up until 2014. They drafted Mac and they drafted Carr, and it took off from there. Mm-hmm. And that's what can happen to the Browns if this hits. Yep. And build to a much, much, much lesser degree. And nobody seems to be talking about it, but in the sixth round, they took Caleb Brantley, a defensive tackle from Florida, who has uh, allegations against them as we speak. And he could have been a first round pick otherwise. And again, with the sixth round, and I think they, they basically came out and said, well, if he's, conv- if he's convicted and he's guilty, we're going to cut him. Okay, right. you know, If he isn't, you've got a top 40 or 50 player with a six-round pick. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the sixth round, that's okay, especially after what they did. Um, and I love the way they handled more, it. Like, yeah. We don't know if he's guilty or not. If he's guilty, we'll cut him. Right, right. What about the 49ers? John Lynch acted like he was a, you know, a savvy veteran GM this weekend, didn't he? Yes, and, I mean, uh, the result was great. You, you get the player you wanted, you, uh, you, probably your second best player on the board behind Garrett at the third pick, and you pick up these third-round picks and future picks to do so. That's wonderful. And 
they may have even picked up their third best player. I mean, I think that they were crazy high on Reuben Foster, and they moved up and grabbed him. That's tremendous. I like that as well. They also got Weatherspoon. He's a quality corner that's going to fit their, their system. But, you know, I think it's easy to say Lynch did a great job, but he did. I mean, that's tremendous. But taking C.J. Beathard and with their fourth pick made no sense at all to me. I mean, to me, that was one of the head-scratching picks of the draft. It was I see a guy with a very low ceiling um, that I don't think would ever beat out even Hoyer. Uh, I just didn't understand that pick. Was there any quarterbacks that you would have took ahead of them, or were you just have taken that guy in the sixth round? Yeah, I definitely I mean, would have taken Dobbs ahead of him. Man, I'm a big Dobbs. believer in Dobbs. Did he go ahead of Dobbs? What's that? Did he go ahead of Dobbs? He went ahead of Dobbs, yeah. That, that really yeah. surprised me. I mean, he was a, looking at it now, he was a, a, he was a third-round pick, and Dobbs went in the fourth. He went ahead of yeah. Peterman. You know, Peterman, to me, is a lot like that. I mean, he's a low-ceiling guy, but he's a better prospect, in my opinion. Yeah, but I guess that was that was Shanahan's hand-picked guy, so who knows. But Which is I fine. Mean, he knows quarterbacks a thousand times better than I do. But Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, the number five pick, Corey Davis? You know, I guess you can say he's overdrafted, but, I mean, hey, they, need, they had the need. They liked him. Why not, right? My take on the Titans were actually both their picks. I mean – they took a Dory Jackson at 18, and that's a little early for my taste for him as well. But I think you have to look at the Titans this way: is they didn't have a second-round pick, you know, so you had two first-rounders and you had two very distinct needs. I think there was the no question their first two picks had to be corner and receiver in some order. So is that a little early for Davis? Maybe. Is it early for Jackson? I very much think so. But to me, and this didn't play out in the draft, but I think Davis is much better than the second receiver in this draft. I mean, I've said all along that I see one number one receiver in this draft, and that's Corey Davis. And I think he's Mm -hmm. going to be a star. I think he's going to be the number one on that offense. And, again, no one's going to say three years from now when he has 100 catches every year, boy, they should have taken him at eight instead of five. You know, I mean, (laughs) who cares? So they right. they helped their franchise quarterback a ton with another with a young guy at the most needed position on the team. So I'm cool with it. You know, was he the fifth best player in this draft? Probably not. Would they have, would they have loved to move to seven or eight and taken him? Probably, but it takes two to tango. And then again, I mean, they got a corner that you know they play a lot more man than people realize there it's late in the year, especially, and he's a man corner. So, okay, I mean, they took the best corner on the board where they were at, which is something I think they needed to do. Right, yeah. Who was, who was I'm, I'm blanking, who was the fourth receiver taken after Ross? Um, I'm going to scan it here real quick because there's only three in the, in the first round. Right. I mean, there was, and I'm wondering if it was Schuster, or maybe it was Zay Jones. I'm looking at Zay it now. Zay Jones, yeah. Wide receivers. Yeah, Zay Jones went to the Bills. The so were the Titans be round. better off taking Lattimore at fifth and trading down, getting Zay Jones? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. No, I mean, yeah. I think Corey Davis is a stud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and then so you're talking Curtis Samuel, Smith-Schuster. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not a big Zay Jones believer. Now, at at seven, I didn't like the receiver pick of, of Mike Williams. I would have gone hooker for the – for the Los Angeles Chargers and, and made themselves just 
tremendous, tremendous defense. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about that a couple times, and I said it a lot, that many of us just penciled in Hooker to seven to the Chargers as a perfect fit. And I was shocked they didn't go that direction. And then I was shocked he fell all the way to 15. So, you know, I, I was critical at seven saying, boy, they should have taken Hooker. But when he didn't go two, three, four picks later, maybe there's something about him we don't know. And I know hey, he does have some injuries. So maybe that was the red flag that, you know, we just didn't know about the guy. And if, he, if there is something wrong with Hooker, then I, I guess I have no problem with Williams, even though I think Davis is a much better player. I understand the philosophy. You know, Rivers, is, Rivers had to put this team on his back over and over of late. Um, Allen hasn't been on the field. I like their other receivers, too, and I love Keenan Allen. But they've gone through a million of them the last three years. I mean, they're always pulling yeah. guys out of the scrap heap. You get a big guy that you can count on. Move Allen to the slot a little bit more. I'm fine with it. I mean, I didn't do cartwheels with that pick, that's for sure. But I did love the Lamp and Feeney picks in the, right. in the second and third round. I mean, to me, yeah, I mean, I, what, what, that, what, the, what the Chargers draft did was told the NFL that, yes, we, we, we realized Philip Rivers' clock is ticking and we're going to give him as much possible help as we can. And we already have a good defense and, you know, Maybe maybe we'll finally get some injury health, you know, luck, and the ball will bounce our way, and they haven't had either in the last three or four years. And maybe they can make a quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. And then their next two picks, Rayshon Johnson's a safety I liked a lot. Desmond King's a big corner that I liked an awful lot that I think might be their free safety. So it's not like they totally ignored that. But, you know, you know I'm a big O-line believer, and the Chargers' offensive line's been a big problem lately. They've had all these big, heavy, lumbering DJ Fluker types, and I think they've gone out of their way to get a lot more athletic up front and younger. So I think they're really building a good line there, and I think Rivers will be thrilled with this draft. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, do you like the McCaffrey pick at, at eight by Carolina? I mean, that seemed to be the trendy thought, but, you know, I just thought the, I thought the Panthers could have got a bigger back later. I was asked many times before the draft, what do you think about McCaffrey to the Panthers? And I pretty much said, if I were them, it would be Fournette or bust. You know, that I'm not taking a running back in round one unless it's Fournette. But, you know, you think about it, I guess the jury's still out. Because then they went and took Curtis Samuel with the next pick. Like, wow, you know, they're doing two of, the, you know, two of these really good receiving type guys two guys that they have not had as part of their offense. You know, you look at their offense before the draft, Stewart, Olsen, Funches, Benjamin, boy, are they big and slow. <laughs> you know, like there's no speed or quickness to this offense at all. So if they're going to play the way that they've, all, that they've played with Newton, then I don't like either pick. But if they're looking at things as, we need to change things up, this big plotting offense isn't working, then I love it. And you would think that those picks indicate that they're going to change. And I even think you'll see a fair amount of McCaffrey on the field with Stewart. You know, because there were people at the Combine that told me McCaffrey's the best receiver here, and that includes every tight end and wide receiver. You know, so I think he might be their immediate change of pace back, 
and number one slot wide receiver. And then you mix in Samuel as kind of their wild card. Now you've got a lot of options. But I don't think they found Stewart's successor. If, if McCaffrey is – what's his ceiling as far as comparison goes? Is there a comparison to him? I mean, Darren Sproles, but you don't take Darren Sproles at number eight. I mean, you, you know what right. I mean? You take a running back at number eight, do you think he'd be, you know, hell, Hall of Fame type player – you know, what, what's his comparable? Two names I'm stealing from somebody else are Tiki Barber and Westbrook from the Eagles. You know, and if yeah. he turns into one of those, it's very worth it. And to be honest, yeah. I think his receiving ceiling is higher. That in a way, maybe he could be what Reggie Bush was hoping to be coming into the league as a, you know, as that dual threat guy. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's the ceiling. Yeah. And that would be very worth it. Yeah, if for used sure. properly, and you know. How about Fournette? I mean, we we talk about every every draft, every free agency. We always say, "Man, those Jaguars did it again," but we don't see any results. I mean, sooner or later, this has got to pay off, right? Fournette, and then getting Cam Robinson in the second round, and they had a, another good free agency. Sooner or later, this team needs to start winning, right? Yeah, and maybe a change in coach will help. Maybe. Um, they picked up Bortles' option, and he did play better under a new coach those last two or three games. And it came out that he was playing with two separated shoulders last year. So maybe we see the 2015 version of Bortles, you know, maybe. You know, I mean, obviously, that's the whole key to the whole team, obviously. I mean, if he plays like last year, it doesn't matter who the running backs are and the defense and all those things. He was awful. But I do think that they're trying to play – Cowboys, you know, they're going to they're run the ball and they're going to play defense. You know, they're going to try to win games 16-10. And I think Fournette's perfect for that. I like the lineman they got in the second round, too. And it, it seems like a very Coughlin-influenced, old-school Giants, pound-your-face type of team now. And I think that's the right way to do it. You know, I mean, you're not going to pick up Aaron Rodgers. You're, you know, you're, you're living with Bortles for now. And maybe you go a different direction next year. Who knows? But... You've you, you got to think it's a make-or-break year for Bortles, and the people around them are much better. The defense looks exceptional. We'll see. Yeah. Um, you talked a lot about Mahomes being your favorite, and he's my favorite as well. I like the Kansas City pick um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, they, they don't need a lot of media help now. If they love this guy, why not – you know, Dorsey and Reed could ride this guy into retirement. Um, they were both Brett Favre. He's been compared to Brett Favre. Why not, right? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think I went so far as to say something along the lines of, if Mahomes turns into what I think he could become, it changes the balance of power in the AFC for the next decade. You know, that they could be the next great team once – Brady's gone, Ben's gone, they could be the next great team with the quarterback-coach combination that has an immense, immense ceiling. And I think the situation he goes into is perfect because Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes couldn't be any more different. And I would think Mahomes could learn quite a bit from Smith to reel him in a little bit, you know. And I read that, to me, is the perfect coach to have him. Um and the other thing that people don't realize is Alex Smith, if they cut him after this year, 
it saves them like 17 or 18 million on the cap. So if you're truly redshirt Mahomes for the year and next year you give him the keys to the car, you go out and use that money on something else to make his life easier. I, I really like that situation. However, I mean, I think the Chiefs fans could sit and, and look at this draft overall and say, what do we get out of this draft class besides Kareem Hunt that's going to help us at all this year? Yeah, but if he can be a, a productive running back right away, that, that, that's helped for a playoff team. Yeah, I, like I mean, I would think him and Ware would spell each other this year, and they have some similarities. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm okay with the Chiefs did. I, you know, I like it because it, hey, if Mahomes hits, it's it's it, like I said, it's it rides uh, Andy Reid into retirement. Right, right, and maybe into the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Like the last chapter of a uh, of a career of a coach that was always close but couldn't quite get there. Rolls the dice on this young kid, finds his stud quarterback, and you know is considered a great Hall of Fame type coach. Or he's a bust and. They just, you know, they lose a bunch of games in 2018 and 19, and Reed's fired, and you know, rides off at the sunset that way. Right. I think that could happen too. I thought the Cardinals did well with uh, Reddick and and Buddha Baker, kind of replenishing after some hits and free agency. What did you think there? Love what they've done on defense. I mean, I think more than any team in the league, they want versatile back seven do it all Tyrone Matthew type you know playmakers and they got the, the, the two that define that you know Baker and Reddick are exactly that type of player different positions of course but they're both going to blitz a lot you know <laughs> Baker's going to play the slot he's going to play deep he's going to do what they do with the honey badger and Reddick's going to attack like crazy as an interior blitzer walk to the outside, and come off the edge at times. I love it. And I thought the Dorian Johnson pick was a good one, too. Um, watched him a lot at Pitt. I think he'll step in, help the offensive line a lot. But, wow, I mean, the Cardinals are living for today. You know, like, there's nothing resembling a Palmer replacement in town or a Fitzgerald replacement. You know, I mean, it's all chips are in. Right. And I don't know if they're good enough to win today. I don't either. Right. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah, so, I mean, so on, on one hand, they, they help their future, but their present may not be as great for a team that's, you know, 17 months, 16 months removed from the NFC title game. Right. But if you're Bruce Arians, you've been doing this a long time, uh, maybe I'm not real concerned what the Cardinals are going to look like five years from now. Let's try to win it this year and next year. Right. You know, I want to circle back to the 49ers a little bit and, and Ruben Foster. Um, lots to talk about there. I mean, surprised he fell, and I mean, if you fall like that because of injury, is it smart for the four nines to take him? I mean, should he fall to the third round, I, I, or should he have just fallen to fifteen? I mean, what's the deal there? It, it seems like that became an issue on draft night a little bit more than we thought it was going to be. No doubt, and. That's a question you and I can't answer. You know, we don't know how long would how long when would his, his fall eventually ended, and what do the medical reports actually say? I mean, the Steelers took T.J. Watt the pick before the Foster Foster came off the board, and we talked this at length. And I was asked over and over, should the Steelers have taken Foster? Imagine putting him next to Shazier, and I said, 
I love T.J. Watt, but to me, Foster's clearly a better prospect, clearly a better player, and really, to me, he's a top-five player on tape. Um, but I don't have his medical, and I don't have his, uh, his background check, you know, and if I had those two things, maybe I wouldn't have taken them at all, you know, or maybe I would have taken them at five. I don't know. But clearly something dropped him, and that one of those two or both of those combinations has to be the reason why. It's not what he put on the field. So, right. you know, I mean, we don't know that answer. I mean, I, I think he could be their Patrick Willis. I think he could be Bobby Wagner in that scheme and very worth it for them, kind of a bonus prize. And he's going to come in certainly with a chip on his shoulder. Often a lot of those guys that do fall because of injury, and, and I'm not talking Jalen Smith injury, I'm talking, you know, maybe some red flag. You, you, they seem to pan out okay, don't they? It sure seems like a lot of them do. You know, Randy Moss, Warren Sapp, you know, a lot of these guys that everyone knows that's the best football player on the board, but I'm going to take Kevin Dyson ahead of Moss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I'm going to take Jared Davis ahead of Foster. Like, nothing against Davis. The Foster's better. Right, right. I thought that was the case with the Raiders at 24. I, I don't like. I don't feel too comfortable talking about felony charges that haven't been, you know, felony investigations rather. But the Raiders needed a middle linebacker more than a, a cornerback at the time. Foster's probably a better player. Uh, shoulder concerns are easier to swallow than felony investigation concerns, I thought the Raiders blew that pick. I don't know. I mean, again, if their team doctor told Reggie McKenzie, I don't think that Foster's going to last in this league because his shoulders are a wreck, then you can't take him. You know, I mean, I think you're 100% right. Foster's a better prospect than Conley. Foster played a position that they needed more. He could come in there and maybe take them to the Super. I mean, he might get a ring this year because you picked him. He could be defensive rookie of the year and exactly what you needed. I mean, that could certainly play out. But they also got a guy that certainly would not have been there if it wasn't for those extenuating circumstances. And I'm I sure. think McKenzie, at this point, deserves the benefit of the doubt. That I think he's got a lot of, more than most of the guys at this point, has a lot of job security, he's proven that he can build a team, and they know way more about the situation than any of us. Yeah. But you better be right. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it at 35, trade down mm-hmm. a little bit. I talked to a team yesterday, and I asked them what round you would have taken Conley in the current situation, and it was, it was a lot lower than really? December 24, a lot lower. So, you know, I mean, look at Baltimore is a team that reportedly gave him the lie detector test. They took Humphrey at 16 instead of him after the lie detector test, and that lie detector test came favorable for him. Tennessee that we've talked about took Adore Jackson instead of him. He didn't have to take him. You know, they could have took Kevin King if they were hell-bent on a a cornerback or, or, or trade down. I don't know. I guess my point on this, and I don't want to belabor it, is teams that continue, if you make a habit of exonerating players before the police investigators, that's probably going to end up biting you at some point. Yeah, I would think. 
I guess they covered their butts I mean? a little bit with the Malafonwu pick, who maybe he's a corner, maybe he's safety, whatever, but um, yeah, I hear you. I mean, it's a massive risk. Like I said, you better be right. Oh, you have to be right. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be right. And, you know, and, and now it's like, okay, yesterday news came out, it's six to eight weeks. So you have this covering. Nobody else has these questions about your first-round pick right now. And I guess if I was a GM, I would just always say, let somebody else make that, you know, take, let them take that risk. Like you said, take King, and then if Conley's sitting there in the second round, take him too. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, what else? Uh, there's, just, there's so much to talk about. Let's go back to Hooker and the Colts. Let's say he's healthy. Colts did a lot of work on their, uh, on their defense this year. Yeah, I think they have themselves a GM. You know, I mean, it, it, they're not making tremendous strides, but we've talked about it. I mean, when the season ended, their defensive depth chart was laughable. I mean, was hideous. And they've added quality players. I mean, it's not going to be the 85 Bears. But Pagano played, you know, Pagano had Ed Reed with, with Baltimore. He has to see some similar, you know, some similarities. And he's going to use them well. And, and Wilson, to get him where they got him, makes a ton of sense. Is he's going to be a, a press man corner, much like they use Davis. And they, they got some respectable guys in free agency. You know, Javal Sheard's not going to the Pro Bowl, but he's a good football player. You know, that they didn't have many good football players on defense. So now they have... Now I don't think they'll be a laughing stock. I mean, would you like them to address their offensive line more? Sure. Would you like to see a successor to Frank Gore? Absolutely. But that's a team that entered the draft with a lot of needs. Yeah, and it is, and I mean, Andrew Luck is going to take care of you offensively. So all the help that they made the games of on defense. I mean, this could be a team that could make some. Could be a factor in the AFC South, wouldn't you think? Interesting division. I mean, I, I could probably make a case for any of those four teams as the best team in the division. I mean, the Texans are probably the best team, but they're going to have a rookie quarterback, it looks like. You know, I mean, can they win games 13-10? I don't know. I mean, can the Colts win, win games 30-28? <laughs> you know, can Luck just dominate the division? Clearly they have the best quarterback in the division. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Here's another team that, in the other conference in the, in the South, Tampa Bay, love what they've been doing for a long time, love the strides they made last year on the field, like what they did in free agency, and then like what they did in, in, in the draft as well. I mean, O.J. Howard, what a gift at 19. Yeah, absolutely. And Winston has to be grinning ear to ear. You know, they have so many weapons now. Godwin, I didn't think, would fall that far. Of course, Deshaun Jackson. Um, the defense played really well down the stretch. They haven't lost much. I would think the defense should keep that up. I don't think it'll be great. They got a safety, and that was a huge need area for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think two notes on them is I think people that do what we, what we do for, the living, for a living are going to be saying left and right, the, the, the Bucks are going to be my team. You know, they're, they're going to be the hot mm. pick for sure. And I think right. one thing that you know, the, the draft told us is, and reports have been really favorable on Doug Martin. You know, that we, I think we all kind of wrote off Doug Martin of he's in rehab, you know, his career might be over. But they said he was a, had a great training or a great, you know, mini camp and 
they did really nothing at that position. So if Doug Martin is an every-down workhorse back, factor that back into that offense too. Wow. Yeah, no, no kidding. I mean, again, I, I just think they have a lot going for them. And how do you cover them, you know, if, if you're opposing defensive coordinator? They, they have, they're so varied now. And if they're all shapes and sizes. You know, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans are very different. Even Howard and Brait are different. Sims is a good receiver. Martin's a good back. You know, I mean, throw Godwin into the mix. And I think Winston's only getting better. Yeah, I think they can attack you in a lot of ways. Yep. You know, we talked earlier about the offensive linemen. And, and, you know, I remember you said last week when we finished our mock draft that, hey, you know, these linemen are going to go quicker than, than, than we have them. Then you talked today that you're surprised. The Denver Broncos had their pick of the four top offensive linemen, and they took bowls. Um, were you surprised by that pick? Are you okay with that pick? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I mean, um, you can make the argument that, Ramchek or Lamp or How or, or Robinson uh, is the better prospect, but I don't think any of them are heads above the rest. Uh, he's a little bit older, dude. Um, I think they're looking for someone they can count on right this minute. Um, a plug and play starter. I think he fits that. I think he fits their scheme. Not a real sexy pick, but it would shock me if he, you know, is a bust. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like if they get Jamal Charles? Yeah, I just heard that an hour ago or so. Why not? You know, I mean, he's very different than Booker, who was not at all impressive. And I like Anderson a lot, but he's very different than Anderson. Throw him into the mix if, if he hits for you and, or if you only give him 10 carries a game and he's successful on those 10 carries, great. If not, so what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a call on it yesterday at Pros and Con, and basically the conclusion is he's – He's going to be cheap. You're not counting on him, so why not, you know? Yeah, I bet you had a hard time coming up with cons. Yeah, I mean, just pretty pretty basic, you know, just the injury history. And, but, again, mm-hmm. it just goes back to it, it being a flyer, you know? Why not? Right. I mean, you're not. 5.5 5. 5 yards per carry in a nine-year career is something to uh, to be in- intrigued by, you know? Yeah. He's going to be on the Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, people say, oh, is he a Hall of Famer? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, nine years is a long time to average 5.5 yards per carry. Yeah, I mean, he may very well end his career on a whimper and not get in, but he put quite a stretch together. Yeah, yep. Um, you like the, the McKinley pick in, in Atlanta? Yes. Um, here's my thoughts on Atlanta is all they care about on defense is speed and athletic ability. You know, they're just, they play in the dome. It's almost like the Peyton Manning Colts teams that, dude, we're going to drop 35 on you every week. And if they got their Freeney and Mathis and McKinley and Beasley, again, wow. You know, and unlike those Colts teams, they can actually use first-round picks and things on defense too. I mean, they have just tons of team speed on that side of the ball, and you know the offense is going to be great. McKinley fits that very, very well. You know, you play in a dome, and we score a lot of points. So try to keep up with us. Okay. 
I just, I, you know, love that kid's passion. I, I just think, I think they may have hit something there. He plays like he acted on the stage too. I mean, yeah, extremely high motor. You know, a lot of hustle plays. Right. You, uh, which, I know you. I know a few weeks ago you had an article about players that could be bust. I know Mike Williams was in there. Taco Charlton, I believe, was in there as well. Did you think the Cowboys could have got more bang for their buck at 28? Well, I trust Marinelli, though. You know, that there's no question Charlton has ability. He wasn't my favorite prospect, but he's, to me, a pure 4-3 end, and that team's about as much of a 4-3 as you're ever going to find. Very defined role with a defensive coordinator that I don't think will allow him to be a bust. You know, not that he's a slacker or anything, I just don't think he's my favorite of those edge guys. I don't think he's as versatile as you would think people of his dimensions should be, but I don't think they're going to ask that of him. So, and, you know, they're, they're, they're very much in win-now mode, too. I mean, they, they drafted, you know, they, they drafted to help their pass defense, and I got no, no qualms with that at all. I thought they did pretty well Yeah. overall. Yeah, those defensive backs fell to them nicely. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought Pittsburgh did pretty well too in a similar way. They got the draft ball to them. And did you? I mean, obviously, you've talked a lot about this in the last five days. Do you like the Watt fit and, and overall thoughts on Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think the Watt pick's great. Uh, I mean, I was asked the week before the draft, you know, who realistically do you want at thirty? And I said Watt without hesitation. Um, I, I guess the people that aren't happy with the Steeler draft to have a couple complaints are, do we, do we really need a quarterback in the fourth round? You know, and, and I told you, I love Dobbs. I, that was my favorite pick of the draft. I think there's a chance that he's actually a starter. I mean, that he could be Ben's successor. Am I predicting it? No. But I think it's possible. I don't think he's... But he is, so what? You know? Right. You, gotta... you know, and at a minimum, I think he's a really good two. You know, so that's worth it. <laughs> um, but the, the the biggest complaint people around here have are, couldn't you, you waited too long on corner, you know, that couldn't you have moved up in round two and got Melifonwu or Buda Baker or somebody like that instead of sitting on your hands and taking a receiver, you know, that Juju might not even play this year. And what I basically know to be true is everyone looks at that Juju Smith-Schuster pick as, man, they must not trust Martavis, and Coates is a bust. And I don't think that's entirely true. I think what happened was, like a lot of teams, they basically had a very, very high grade on Juju and couldn't believe he was still there at the end of the second round. There was still a lot of defensive backs out there in a really deep defensive back draft and they knew they'd get somebody that they could use in the third round as a D-back. And he's very different. You know, I mean, he's not a slot guy. He's not the long, outside-the-numbers burner like a Hunter, Coates, or Bryant. Certainly not similar at all to, you know, Antonio Brown. That he's a tough guy, kind of in the Steeler-Heinz Ward mold. And maybe he doesn't even play at all this year, but... They did get caught in a situation where they were really short. They needed a second receiver last year when Bryant wasn't around. And I doubt they give Bryant the long-term deal when his contract's up. You know, they'll use him up and he'll be on his way. So they keep a strength of strength. Yeah. 
And you'd think they uh, not taking a corner is going to hurt them in 2017? Well, I think Sutton will play a lot, the third-round pick. Yeah. But it would have been – I don't think there would have been any complaints here if the Steelers would have went Watt, D-back, D-back, you know, and just really attack that secondary. But right. that's not what happened. Kind of what Dallas did. Right, 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 right. You like to, I like the McDowell pick for Seattle. You know, there's questions about him, his motor, motivation. But now you put him in a, you know, a defensive line room with Bennett and, and Averill, and, and he does have big ability. I, I like what the Seahawks did there. Yeah, I do too, um, for all those reasons. You know, if he would have went to a perennial loser and would have been allowed to sit on his hands and not work hard, he may, you know, then 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 you don't like the fit. But you throw him in Seattle, where maybe he doesn't even have to play every snap. You put him next to Bennett as an interior pass rusher. You light a fire under him as the Seahawks so well uh, so do so very well. That's great. You know, I mean, that, that's a high upside pick that could really really pay off for you. And, and I like the Posick pick too. I mean, I think that's a a low risk um, offensive lineman that fits your system really well. He could play a lot of positions. I don't know how their five offensive starting offensive linemen are going to you know, shake out, how that puzzle is going to be built, but I bet he's one of the pieces. But that's still an issue, isn't it? Yes. I mean, he's best at center, but he's 6'6", and he can play guard, and maybe he can even play right tackle. Britt was pretty good for them at center last year, who's also a 6'6 type of guy. Um but maybe you bounce him back to tackle. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that puzzle goes together. But he's a good player that fits the system, and he's going to fit in somewhere. I love the Dalvin Cook pick at forty-one. I mean, I, I think he could be a stud. I think the Vikings are going to be improved there. What was your thoughts there? Yeah, me too. And. And I love that they they followed it up with the Elfline pick too, who to me is a really solid, really solid, low risk, ten year starter, guard or center. We know the problems they've had on the offensive line. They think they fixed the tackle situation. I have my doubts, but I bet Elfline starts quickly. And basically, you know, you and I didn't, and you know, I mean, I'm not a big the Tavis Murray fan. I, I certainly didn't do cartwheels mm. when they signed him. I was worried that they would be satisfied with Murray, and I'm glad they weren't. Right. Yeah, I, I like that. Just the philosophy there. Hey, we signed him. We gave him a little bit of money. We basically told him and everybody else he's our starter. He's a replacement to AP. And then Dalvin Cook falls, and hey, it's a fluid business, and we'll find a way to keep Murray involved, probably at the goal line. But they didn't get. They didn't box themselves in because of a free agent addition. I'm pretty sure Cook is from inner city Miami. You know, it's great football there. And the, one of the big worries was we got to get him away from home. You know, like, right. and couldn't get him to a much different culture than he's used to, obviously. I think that's good for right. the gun. You know, concentrate on football, stay out of the clubs, you know. Yeah, I, I think the I, I heard on draft day somebody said he was – he was great when he was around the football program. When he wasn't, there were some worries. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's why Green Bay would have been good for him. And, and, and I want to talk about another running back, and, and, I, and I'm not going to say nice things here. Um, 
I really hated the Joe Mixon pick, and I hated it more because it was the Bengals than it was Joe Mixon, if that makes sense. I don't think – I think this is a this, – I, I want to be careful here because I don't want to – I don't want to give Joe Mixon too much sympathy, but he does deserve a second chance. I just don't know if he's going to be taken care of or, or watched closely in Cincinnati because they have so many of those guys over the year, and they just clearly don't care. And I just think if he would have went to a Green Bay or wherever, he probably would have been watched over a little closely. Yeah, and as you can imagine – Steeler Nation just laughs at the Bengals. You know that. Yeah. You know it's criminal central. You know, of course he went to the Bengals. Uh, uh, of you know, they, they took exactly. perfect and Pac-Man and, and and yes, you know, I mean, I, I can't deny that. I mean, uh, I even said they traded out of their second round pick, but when day two started and we were covering them, I'm like, Mixon's going to go to the Bengals, guys. I mean, get used to it. The Steelers are going to play against Joe Mixon twice a year, and he did. You know, they moved out of the pick and still took him. From a football perspective, it makes a ton of sense. You know, that since they drafted Andy Dalton, I'm not sure there's a team out there that's dedicated more resources to running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers because they know who Dalton is. You know, he needs help. He needs a lot of help. In the process, they absolutely ignored their offensive line. I mean, the Bengals and the Giants, to me, the, the, the ignoring of the offensive line is unbelievable. But uh, they apparently, I mean, they know what they're doing. They're aware of it. Um, Football perspective, I think Mixon will be their leading rusher. That he'll go past Hill in a heartbeat. I love the player, but I'm with you. Like, how many bad dudes are you guys gonna draft? Yeah, it's just like it's it's almost the it, it's like a, a, their their caricature of themselves. And I'm, I'm more pissed at the Bengals than I am at Mixon. You know, right, right, right. Like, what are you guys doing? You know, you do this every year. And then yeah, Pac-Man I mean, and. And uh, perfect blow up in the the Steeler postseason game, and you don't advance. You know, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, I mean Adam Jones, he has his thing this year. Mike Brown says, well, maybe I'm a little too tolerant. Well, clearly, and then on draft day, NFL Net goes, well, Mike Brown is on board. Well, of course he's on board because he's a good football player. It just yeah, seems right. to be it was. Any team, any other team that would have took him, it would have been thought out, I think, for months and months and months and justified. But I don't think there was any thinking or justification here. They just did it because he was a good player and they overlooked those things. And it makes me wonder who would have, who else would have took him? I don't know. Yeah, he's a great player. To me, he's a top ten player in this draft. And I'm, I'm with you, though. I'm, like, mad at the Bengals for him. But if the Packers would have took him and we had this plan in place and we think he's a great young man that just did something wrong and he was 18 years old and he's been clean as a whistle since, you know, then you're like, well, nice work. You know, okay. You know, we, we, I'm all for giving second chances, like you said. But the Bengals might have just been like, I don't care. He's as good as we're just going to hand him the ball. Yeah. And, and, I, and, again, I don't know how closely he's going to be you know, lack of a better word, nurtured. And, and I think, mm-hmm. and again, I want to be careful in saying this because I just don't want to throw this type of stuff out there, but his chances of having trouble as an NFL player may be greater in Cincinnati because of of the laissez-faire atmosphere there. Right, even if he is a great kid, you know? I mean, yeah. if he, yeah. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, and he did a terrible thing once, 
many years, I mean, quite a few years ago as an 18-year-old boy. And, but now he's going to be under such a microscope. I mean, if he's out at, the, out at a restaurant or with his buddies, how many people are going to provoke him? And, you know, like, is anybody going to have his back and say, come on, Joe, let's get out of here? You know, help the kid out. Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, it was just, it, I don't know, it was just kind of, it was just kind of a bummer when they took him, you know? Kind of makes you want to take a shower, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, here's, here's a team that you've been talking about, we're, we're wrapping this up soon, that you've been talking all offseason about they need to find a replacement for Eli, and then he said the other half of the say, I don't like Davis Webb at all. So, was that kind of a frustrated marriage for you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I, I guess some of the buzz was real that people thought Davis Webb could go in the top 40 or so. I mean, truthfully, I even like Dobbs better than him. I mean, I, I don't like him very much, but he has attributes. And if, you know, Eli's clearly the starter this year and probably well beyond. So maybe he sits and learns and develops and becomes a very, very good player and is the 2019 starter for the Giants. You know, so, again, I mean, it goes back to the first conversation of if you draft a guy with the thought that he might be a franchise quarterback, I can't be too critical. You know, I mean, I, I think they didn't draft him thinking, boy, we hope he turns, he gives us what Nassib did for the last four years. You know, I think they look at him and say, maybe he's Eli's successor. So, okay. But, man, I, my problem with the Giants is just, no O-line. Nothing. Yeah. And I love Engram, but is he going to be on the field with Marshall, Shepard, um, Beckham, and is the four of them going to be on the field together all the time? You know, maybe. Uh, and is nobody going to block on this team? Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> I want to wrap up the show talking about two more teams that, that did a good job, I really think. Uh, and I'm really happy we, we we got so much into this show. Um, Ozzie Newsom can be awesome at his job, can he? I mean, I thought he would just wreck shop. Agreed. Um, that defense has a chance to be phenomenal. And, and kind of the opposite of the Mixon situation, Tim Williams is also maybe a top 10 or 20 player in this draft. And, and Ozzie has to know him better than anybody. And, bring him in and let Suggs nurture this kid and he'll rush the passer. And I think all of us were shocked that Baltimore went defense, 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 defense. I mean, four in a row on, all, on already a good defense, but they're quality players and they're certainly Ravens all day long. And I had all the Steeler draft coverage and every year, every Ravens pick, I'm like, yep, that's a Raven. You know, I mean, mm. it, it, but – they're going to win games 13-10, too. I mean, that, I don't see the offense being good. Right. Right. But, yeah, I, I thought they did a terrific job on, on defense. And I thought Green Bay did a good job. That You know, everybody everybody wrings their hands about Ted Thompson and begs them every year to get more involved in free agency. And, you know, he gave me he, – he, hey, got a nice piece to Martellus Bennett this year for sure. But the draft weekend is what – Gets Ted Thompson excited, and I thought he did really well for himself this year. Yes, and it's pretty clear. You know, I mean, Dom Capers likes to blitz a lot. He puts a lot of stress on his corners. 
I'm writing an article right now. It'll probably be up tomorrow uh, on FanRag about the, the, the situation of the Packers secondary. And it used to be that Sam Shields would lock up with the number one receiver. And he's not Dion, but he was good. And then by the end of the year, I mean, they were so depleted. Um, they were asking Gunther, you know, to lock up. I mean, remember the, how they ended the year? Gunther had to line up against Dez or Beckham, then Dez, then Julio <laughs> you know, in the playoffs. Right. And I mean that's not what the poor guy is capable of doing. And right. so, just you know, a couple of years ago, they used two of their first two picks on corners. Those guys have been hurt and haven't developed as much as they've wanted. So this year, they do it again. You know, let's not only are we going to take a first round pick on a corner, we're going to take a second round pick on a safety. You know, we're going to put we're going to have a great secondary, whether you like it or not. No matter what it costs us, we're going to have a great secondary. I like the Adams pick, the, the the big monster defensive tackle from Auburn yeah. at n- number ninety three. I thought that was good value. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I still have some questions about that team for sure. But if the secondary is not a liability, they'll be fine. Right. You know, Matt, you're right. You started the show saying I don't have a lot of problems with guys. Yeah, I can't come up with complaints. And we spent. An hour, and it was mostly it was fifty-five minutes of praising people. Yep, and like you said, it was a deep draft, and maybe that made the jobs a little easier. But even the picks I questioned or thought that was early made sense. And I'm not taking the easy way out praising everybody. I mean, most years there's a handful of teams that said, "Boy, they screwed it up." This year, I just don't have one. No, no, cool. Great. Well, hey, we will be back next Tuesday for No Relation NFL Podcast. Matt, great hour. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Absolutely, bud. Take care.